Hello and welcome to Permanently Resident, a podcast about the ups and downs of living abroad. My name is Robin, I'm from Brighton, England, and I'm living in Richmond, California. Hey, I'm Jose, I'm from Simi Valley, California, and I'm living in Tokyo, Japan. So this is uh, episode 18. Today we're going to talk all about California. Um, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Mr. Daniel Gibson. Welcome, Daniel. Would you like to introduce yourself briefly? Hi, Robin. Hi, Jose. Um, yeah, I'm Daniel, um, and uh, I recently moved to um, Osaka about six months ago, and I'm, uh, I work as, as a data scientist um, doing pricing for retail, and I'm very happy to be on the program. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you much. For, thank you very much for joining us. So, just to give a little background, uh, when we talk about California, I guess uh, we should say how long and when we've uh, been here. So, I've been living in in California since 2013, first in Santa Cruz, California, and then uh, in a couple of different places around the Bay Area as well. Uh, so, Daniel, what's been your uh, situation in California? So, um, let's see, I moved from Boston in 2014 to San Francisco. And then five years later, I moved to East Palo Alto, where I was for a year before moving to Osaka. And Jose, you, you grew up in California, right? When did you, when did you leave? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Southern California my whole life. And uh, yeah, I left when I was 27 or 28 to Japan. So um, yeah, my, my main experience is just in Southern California as far as living. Mm, okay, so I guess part of what's uh, sparked uh, this conversation today is a number of people have very publicly said that they're sick of living in California and they're moving. <laughs> um, so we have a little talk today about the good parts and the bad parts of living being in California and why we are living here or why we're not and whether we want to in the future as well. So, um, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if you've seen, but, uh, Joe Rogan has said he's moving out of California. Um, you know, my favorite conservative radio host, Ben Shapiro has also uh, said he's moving out of California. Um, you know, and they've very publicly made strong criticisms of, um, of the state and of the cities, I think Los Angeles, city of Los Angeles, and how mm. the government's out of control, house prices are out of control, standard of living is going down, homelessness is through the roof, mm. and how you know once there was a golden age where California was amazing, and now everything's in the, gone down the pan. Mm. Um, mm. So, Daniel, why don't you start? Tell us why you moved to California and maybe what your first impressions were when you got here? So, um, I mean, I think I was attracted for fairly typical reasons. Uh, I was a bit tired of the Boston weather and, and dealing with ice and dealing with really extreme seasons over there. And uh, I was really interested uh, in working at startups and getting out of academia. So, uh, you know, one of my friends had an open room and I just thought moving out there and just living off some savings and trying to find jobs um, at startups would be a good idea. So I think I was attracted by, I mean, to sum it up, um, economic opportunity and just um, a love of the location of San Francisco. 
Okay, so that was. It sounds like the jobs was the main driving force there. What about? Did you have a kind of fantasy about how California was going to be? Um, I guess for me, and I've talked about this a little bit previously. You know, I thought, okay, it's by the beach. Um, you know, all the typical things you think of when you think of California. Uh, maybe that's more Southern California than Northern California. But did you have yeah, a kind of fantasy I, um, about what it was going to be like? I had a little bit uh, of the same thing, although I I'd heard that Northern California was different, and I guess I'd I'd visited there maybe twice before, and I thought, okay, it's not exactly like Southern California. Um, but you know, I, I did have I did have a bit of a California fantasy, and I did uh, end up taking up surfing. Um, mm. And I, I thought I thought it would be a little bit more um, beach oriented. I guess I didn't realize when I moved out there. I didn't realize how cold the water was, and that people don't just kind of go to the beach to hang out very much. Um, mm. I guess I also thought um, I thought things would be a little more, um, I don't wanna say like open like they are in Southern California, but I, I thought it would be a little bit more like LA than it was in San Francisco. Mm. So, what, so what the first few weeks, first couple of months you were here, was that, was that great or did you think, why the hell did I move here? Or? No, I, I thought it was great. Like, I, I thought it was better because there, there's some um, aspect of L.A. culture that I don't like. Um, kind of, I, I don't know if it's just, like, being a Coloradan and, and Coloradans have, so some of them have a bit of a bias toward Californians. I, I think just meaning mm. um, kind of, like, L.A. lifestyle kind of things, like, I don't know what, it's kind of hard to articulate, but like, um, like, I don't know, spending lots of money and driving a BMW instead of a pickup truck and, and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I, I really liked it because, you know, it's more, um, I, it was really fascinating for me to meet a lot of tech people just because I, I hadn't been exposed to that kind of thing before. And uh, I really enjoyed the people that I met a lot in my first few months there so I think it was really the people that I met and the, this kind of um, entrepreneurial drive that people have that that really made a good uh, impression for me at first okay so was there a point where any of the negatives started to come out I mean I think I think we know that Calif especially Northern California and also Los Angeles area is starting to become very expensive. So was that, was that a bit of a, an immediate shock for you? I guess Boston is also pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, Boston, I was able to find very affordable housing um, kind of in the suburbs, but still very close to the city. Um, I lived in Jamaica Plain for some amount of time and I was spending $500 a month for uh, a single room. It was a very small room in an old house and, you know, wasn't a very good quality place, but I was still able to find very affordable housing like that. And, you know, my rent basically doubled uh, when, you know, upon moving there and I, I found it difficult to find, um, you know, I, I kind of kept looking for like some, you know, diamond in the rough, but 
uh, it, it was a bit of, it wasn't a shock because it was what I expected, but it just got rough uh, as, as time went on. And especially um, kind of going between uh, different jobs and doing consulting for a long time and having a very volatile income, uh, I really felt a lot of pressure from that. And it, it ended up having this effect on me where kind of interpreted everything there in terms of income inequality. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, especially in especially in San Francisco, but also in Silicon Valley. It's difficult. It's difficult not to be confronted by that every single day, right? I mean, it's just mm. in your face as soon as you walk out of your door, as soon as you go to work, as soon as you go and buy a coffee, you're confronted by that every day, right? Mm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's no, um, there's kind of no comparison. I mean, there was like, you know, I felt that a little bit in Boston and, you know, there was some times where I thought like, oh, it'd be, you know, ni nice to make, you know, a little bit more money so I could, um, you know, have a different lifestyle or something. But that was really very much a dominant feeling living in San Francisco. And I entirely agree with your description of that. So, uh, Jose, did you, you know, as you, as you grew up, maybe these things were just kind of how it was, right? I mean, you didn't know anything else. Um, mm. You didn't have the perspective that you have now. You know, once you got into your early 20s and then, you know, moving towards your decision to move out of California, did you see any of those negative things kind of adding up and pushing you to get out? Well, I think you guys in the beginning mentioned some really positive things about California and that's like diversity, diversity of weather, diversity of nature, uh, diversity of people. And I think these are uh, California strengths that you guys really hit on. Right. Um, you know, you could find any type of food in California. You could find people from all over the world in California and LA and San Francisco. And I, I think all these, these things are, you know, California's real strengths. Um, as far as the inequality, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a diversity in a negative way, but obviously it really hits you in the face when you're, uh, when you're in LA and San Francisco, right? When you're walking those streets. So you think, you think that inequality is the inevitable result of diversity? Uh, no, um, I don't say that, but, um, maybe just it's such a it's such it was such a place where people wanted to live that you know prices shot up and uh it just it became really extreme right like like you always say you can't live in san francisco it's impossible right well no i personally yeah i mean i could i the best way for me to put it is yeah. i'm not willing to make the sacrifice okay okay needs to be made in order to live in san francisco it doesn't make sense for me personally but even if I don't live in San Francisco and I'm living in one of the cheaper parts of the Bay Area, Richmond, yeah, I still have to make that choice between having somewhere nice to live and having somewhere affordable to live. Mm. Right now, I'm gone to the extreme of finding somewhere affordable to live, and you know, after more than a year of living here, yeah, that's starting to grate a little bit. So. <laughs> so did, so did Jose did you uh, I mean as you moved towards 27 which is when you left did you feel yeah. any was it a 
when you left was that more of a positive decision to leave like you wanted to pursue something or was it more of a negative thing like you were just sick of living <clears throat> in california well i'd like to hear both of your thoughts on this so um first first i'll say when i left to japan it was it was positive it wasn't like oh man i hate california i want to go to japan i never thought that way just i wanted to go to japan that's it right and mm -hmm. um it was you know it was my choice but now if you ask me like do you want to go back to california yeah, I'd feel negative about mm -hmm. it and because all of the diversity I mentioned is great, but the one thing we don't have diversity of in California is diversity of thought. And that's the issue I think for me is when I step back into California, like we're we all need to be in the, I don't say it's good or bad, but do we all need to be in the same like liberal, liberal hive mind together? Like we need to think this way or that way. And like, oh man, he, he said something about positive about Trump. Like, oh, you know, like, I just think it would be really tough to be a, a balanced person who had a diversity of thought, whichever way, you know, both ways, you know, cause I personally go both ways on the political spectrum, depending on mm -hmm. different things. So yeah, I don't know. I want to ask you guys, do you guys feel that? I just feel like there's not enough diversity of thought living in California. It's like a very California mindset about politics and a way to live and those kinds of things. That's true. Let me just mention something I saw today. So okay. I went to San Francisco today and I'm uh, yeah. driving back through Berkeley and there was a huge billboard that yeah. really shocked me because it seemed so out of place. It said, say no to anarchy and socialism, say yes to the American dream, vote Donald Trump. <laughs> and it just seemed so unbelievably out of place um the, i couldn't really comprehend it when i saw it and i think that points to what you're saying like why is it so unthinkable that someone might vote for donald trump in the bay area i don't think it should be but it is yeah um anyway so daniel i mean what do you think do you did you find that kind of political monoculture or however you want to describe it was that annoying for you yeah, it, it was annoying for me. So um, I'd actually like to talk about my kind of political journey a little bit here. And that like, when I first moved to the Bay Area, um, you know, I, I kind of, I, I was joking around and, and saying, oh, you know, San Francisco isn't liberal enough for me because I had, um, I, I had this idea of what, um, mm -hmm. I, I, maybe I shouldn't use the word liberal, but kind of democratic. And I, I, I kind of had a strong um, um, kind of democratic, democratic in terms of the party um, ideal at that time. And then I kind of slowly started uncovering uh, people's beliefs over there, which were different. I, I started kind of finding a lot of differences um, from my beliefs, especially about, um, I guess, identity politics and um, Israel-Palestine-related issues and um, so, some other issues. And I, I just, I discovered some different political thought there, um, mm. which was kind of interesting, but then I slowly started to disagree more and more with it. Sure, you just didn't align yourself 100%, which is nearly impossible, right? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I found that it's possible, but I'm also a pretty argumentative person about uh -huh. these things, and I'm, I'm pretty confrontational about this stuff. And sure. I think I tend to surround myself uh, with people who, I mean, maybe it's because of having those traits, just that, you know, I surround myself with people 
um, mm. who like to talk about both sides or this kind of thing and other types of things. And I tend not to just, um, I, I tend not to have, um, I, 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 I found that it's possible to have um, other views about this kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. the place that I, I feel like there's this cultural enforcement of political views is in the tech industry. Uh, yes. Mm. I think, think you have to be a, you, even if you're saying something that I think in most places would be considered fairly moderate, I think you have to hear often, you have to kind of sound people out before you express even, uh, you know, something that would be considered fairly moderate, Not, you know, nothing extreme like, you know, I'm pro-abortion or anything like that, but... <laughs> Um, you know, I feel like, and I don't, you know, especially in the UK, I've never, I've never really felt like I need to suss people out before I mention my opinions. It's just okay. Like, okay, well, I think this and you think that, and that's okay. Let's move on with our conversation. Like here a few times, it's become a big deal. Like people yeah. have become very confrontational just because I have think something different from them. And I don't even consider any, any of the views that I have to be particularly extreme. Mm -hmm. I, I have a, a, a good um, example of this in that like in, in Colorado, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, uh, my hometown is in a swing county in, I guess, I mean, I don't know if Colorado is a swing state anymore because it's like starting to go uh, more democratic, at least in the past few years. Uh, maybe that's just kind of Trump related polarization, uh, but also the cities are getting bigger there. But um, you know, it used to be, and I think it's still the case in many parts of Colorado that you can't tell someone's political views um, just by looking at them. Uh, you just, you really have no idea, especially, you know, or, or based on what kind of car they drive. You know, there are plenty of conservative people that drive Priuses and liberals that drive pickup trucks. And so I, I really like that because you could have good conversations with lots of people uh, about this stuff, and they were fairly nonpartisan uh, about things. I mean, you know, there, there were cliques, and there, you know, there were people um, who had stronger views one way or another. But there was a certain uh, openness uh, about, I guess, partisanship um, mm -hmm. that that was really great there. And you know, when I moved to Boston, that kind of went out the window, and then really went out the window in the Bay Area. Mm, see. So, I mean, moving on a little bit, but still on politics, I think, you know, a number of, a number of people, including the ones we mentioned at the start, or I mentioned at the start, have said that they're, they're leaving California because the political system, the Californian political system's broken, yeah. which I think is a little bit of an oversimplification, but are the problems that, California is facing are those generated by a political system where do those come from for example extreme inequality or um, unbelievably high numbers of homeless homeless people are those the fault of the political system or is that the overall system that's at fault there or maybe neither mm. well I mean my general understanding is that California has been mismanaged and the answer is to keep taxing or tax higher, right? Especially, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, really wealthy people in 
Silicon Valley or uh, people like Joe Rogan, you know, people who make a lot of money. So I guess that's why like people like Elon Musk and, you know, I mentioned Joe Rogan are leaving and they're going to more tax friendly states, right? Well, Daniel, as somebody who works in Silicon Valley, <laughs> you have to say about that. Yeah, well, I, I have a lot of reactions to that. And so my, yeah. like, my personal feeling about this, and I know I've told you this before, Robin, is that like, um, in, in California, I just feel like the dysfunction of the government makes me not want to pay state taxes. And that, yeah. you know, I'd be happy to pay, um, I think it's a 9% uh, tax rate, uh, mm. income tax rate if I felt like I was getting a lot for our money or for, mm. for my money, like if I was like, Oh yeah, you know, our government's really good. We have great schools, we have great roads, but you know, we have good infrastructure, but our infrastructure is terrible. Um, you know, schools are just highly dependent on the neighborhood. Uh, and so I don't like paying money to the, the really dysfunctional government. And so I'm kind of, um, I'm a, I'm a bit sympathetic to people that, feel the same way and but you know i don't know how many people would be you know ha have that feeling of, of where they'd like to you know pay money uh yeah. pay high tax for a very functional government i've never heard someone actually say that before mm. i guess maybe i guess maybe i'm lacking perspective on this uh because yeah in the united states i've only lived in california so when people say the Californian government is very dysfunctional, maybe I don't, I don't have any point of comparison really. Mm. Is the is the government in Colorado really so much better? Yes, <laughs> I I think that way. I mean, like you know, it has its dysfunctions too. But I generally feel like the political system worked in Colorado, and uh, it could really go on about different particular topics. But overall, yes, and you know. Massachusetts is very different from that, and I can contrast that as well. But California is very much dysfunctional compared to those two places. Mm, okay. Well, let's take a break just for a moment. Okay. Okay. So I know, Daniel, I know you mentioned that you moved to East Palo Alto a, a while ago, and I've, I've been over to, to visit you a couple of times. Um, you know, East Palo Alto is a bit of a a strange city since it's basically in the heart of Silicon Valley, but still quite deprived in a lot of ways. So maybe that's a good illustration of some of the key problems that are reflecting not just the Bay area, but the whole of California. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, I mean, East Palo Alto has certainly come a long way from when it was the murder capital of the U S I don't know how many years ago. And, um, it has, uh, to some extent, a different set of problems now in that, um, you know, because of having really high housing demand in, in the Bay Area, um, East Palo Alto is um, definitely commercially uh, underdeveloped. And, you know, there are very few uh, businesses there. There are just a couple of uh, restaurants um, and not too much else. <clears throat> uh, and what I, I, I think is actually going on there right now is that, um, I mean, it, it faces a political problem because it's really ripe for growth, um, you know, commercially. There, there's even a little bit of space there to expand to, but uh, it's, it's been the case that surrounding uh, cities 
have voted to restrict the, the, the water rights of East Palo Alto to prevent any further expansion. And so uh, I, I you know, think it's a generous interpretation to say that they don't want uh, any more poor people living in that particular corridor that they occupy. Um, I, I mean, it's surrounded mm. by Palo Alto and let's see, uh, Redwood City, and just, you know, very, very high income areas, the heart of Silicon Valley. And um, this is what happens. And I, I mean, I think to some extent, people's politics are very much two-faced where they, they say they really care about this stuff and then engage in this kind of nimbyism where they don't want, you know, people to be able to expand. They don't want populations to be able to expand there. Um, mm -hmm. They don't want their housing prices to go down as a result of new housing developments or maybe more poor people or more traffic being nearby. So this is the result of that. And I think that example very much generalizes the Bay Area as a whole. So Daniel, you, you hit on this and are you saying the, the main reasons are people don't want their housing prices to drop and perhaps they don't want crime to go up? Um, is there any other reasons that you could kind of suss out here for why they're trying to restrict this? Um, I don't know all of the reasons. I mean, mm. I think it's that they, um, I, I mean, East Palo Alto is, is very Mexican and there could be some racism, but I, I don't really think um, that they have a problem with Mexicans. I just think they have a problem with poor people. And the more low income housing you have, the more poor people you can have. Sure. Um, I think that's part of it. And I think it's just, you know, these people have like put a stake in their ter territory and they um, they kind of control things. They want to keep their uh, dominant position there. Sure, sure. Um, and I think it's kind of just a, a combination of all of that stuff. They don't want their way of life to be disrupted. They don't want their whatever ecosystem they're in to change. They like they like it how it is, right? Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. Okay. I think, I think you see. I think you see this. I think that's exactly right. And I think you see this as a problem all across the United States. It's just a problem that's especially bad in the Bay Area and Los Angeles as well, just because of the geography, the concentration sure. of wealth, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the real solutions to these things are radical rezoning of cities, massive spending on infrastructure and public transportation mm. um you know amongst other things but instead what we're getting is you know express lanes on a couple of freeways and increasing the minimum wage by a couple of dollars and mm. so i think you know as daniel hinted at these are ways for people who think that they're progressives to feel better about the situation without actually making the changes that are necessary. Well, I think what Daniel also pointed out is like, you know, these policies are like what Donald Trump says, right? Like when he appeals to suburban housewives, like I'm not going to let them build the, those low income come houses in your area. I'm going to keep your housing prices up. Right. And it's yeah. very, very transparent. Right. And it's obvious and, you know, they want to keep it that way. And that's a big part of Donald Trump's pitch, right? And then on the other side, I think what Daniel hit on is like, yeah, you have the other side. They're not saying it, but they're, they're like kind of doing it, you know, secretly or covertly. And, you know, both sides just want the same thing in the end when it comes to like keeping their, their way of life, the status quo, right? 
yeah so even in places that are strongly democratic you're still seeing the same trends that are happening in places that are strongly republican sure um well it's almost worse just because of the correlation between political affiliation and population density yeah so i mean we see that in your example of east palo alto right, right. um so do, just to move on and kind of come to a final point you know sure why do you guys want would you guys consider moving back um you know what are some reasons why people might still want to move to california or live in california daniel what do you uh what do you think are you are you coming back are you happy to think that you might come back uh, uh i'm not particularly ha particularly happy to think that um i mean it's something uh, i would consider i mean i think there are a few things that i really like over there um i really like um so some of the things we were talking about uh, earlier that Jose mentioned, like the diversity of food and people. Um, and I really like, I really love the outdoors over there. Um, I mean, it's just a, a really beautiful place uh, to exist, especially um, East Palo Alto. I, I love my commute. It's uh, or the, you know, commute to the company I'm working at now. It's right along the bay. It's gorgeous. The weather is very temperate. Um, the quality of life due to those things is extremely good. Um, and, you know, if I can keep having these kind of Silicon Valley jobs that where I can afford this kind of stuff, then it's a pretty good lifestyle mm -hmm. overall. Um, and I really love the potential that California has, um, you, you know, it, as annoying as it is to be a voter over there with direct democracy, I like to think that I could move things in a positive direction for California, um, even though my vote doesn't seem to count for too much over there. Uh, so, you know, I kind, of, I, I kind of like being part of the system, but at the same time, the whole, the aspect of, of income inequality and, and just seeing, seeing the way that things just kind of seem to keep getting worse over there is disheartening and makes me not want to Mm. Yeah. I was like, would you, I mean, you've been in Japan for quite a while now. Have you and Nakari ever seriously considered moving to California? Uh, not at this point, but California has got a lot of great things going. Like, you know, I mean, if you live in the middle of Oklahoma, what are you going to, you don't have a chance to go to the mountains and ski. You, you can't go to the beach. You can't get on a boat. You can't go to like, you know, five different, professional sports stadiums right near you right it's like california's got a lot to offer in that sense right there's a lot to do um great for industry great for tech great for entertainment uh wide open spaces i mean i live in japan i live like in a box and there's not like a mm -hmm. there's not like a nice park where i could just like i don't know throw a football right like you know i can't play tennis at any whim right and california has all these public facilities all these uh, spaces I think it's great, right, if you have a family. So, you know, the two things for me, though, is, like, safety. Uh, is it the safest place? It depends where you live, right? Like, if you got money and you live in the suburbs or a gated community, yeah, sure, it's fucking safe. If you don't have money and you're living in the city, yeah, no, it's not safe. So, you know, yeah, it would depend if I had money. I think that'd be the factor, right, if I would want to live in California again. And uh, as I mentioned before, the, the lack of diversity of thought 
is a really huge turnoff to live in California. Even I don't think I could express myself moderately, right? And you know me, I, I'm, I never post a pro-Trump article or anything on Facebook, but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of guy. But like, yeah, I agree with like half of the things he says and I might disagree with half of them, but I'll express it down, you know, whatever I think. And I don't think that would fly in California, unfortunately. And, and the worst part is, you know, I'm a Latino. And, I, you know, at this point with what I'm seeing on YouTube and on the news, I probably end up getting lectured to by some like white liberal like about like my lack of understanding on race and that's a typical california experience i don't want to go through yeah i hear you on that so let's finish off by hearing a little bit from daniel so yeah, yeah. as you said he, he's he's in osaka now um how does that compare to living in california does that is that better is that worse is it a mixed bag well um I'm not going to give a very unbiased view because uh, I've uh -huh. wanted to live permanently in Asia for a long time and yep. I've been able to have short stints in Asia, but this is the first uh, longer term one. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, I mean, it, you know, my, my just being um, enamored with getting to uh, experience so many interesting things in Japan definitely colors my view but um I, I think it's great and to to relate it to um previous topics that we were talking about you know in osaka there's a lot of affordable housing um and you can get it you know in nicer neighborhoods and and in less nice neighborhoods but the less nice neighborhoods aren't that bad the streets are clean there's no mm -hmm. crime um it's just that you know you kind of live in the middle of a concrete jungle without uh you know kind of like jose was saying like without any parks or anything around um and so i i think it's a it's a fantastic place to live because of housing uh because of infrastructure and um obviously there's a lot of good food here uh that's very affordable so yeah it's a really fantastic place to live overall the downside to it is that um you know for example um i went hiking in kobe last weekend mm. and uh from a mountaintop it was a gorgeous view uh of all of osaka bay and i thought it was fantastic but when i looked back at osaka it just felt like concrete hell for a minute um because sometimes you can feel really stuck in the city mm. and um it, it can it depends on where you live um you know sometimes i ride my bike over to osaka castle and you can get some nice outdoor feelings over there or sometimes um you know just riding along the coast in industrial areas um it's kind of a, a weird feeling of nature but it, you know it, it's it is accessible to get out into nature and kind of balance out city life a little bit so i think it's a great place to live overall it's good so interestingly, you both seem to think that uh, California is a great place to live, but you probably don't want to come back. <laughs> yeah, there's. I want to. I want California to fix its problems first, so that I can come back. There's there's a couple of deal <laughs> deal breakers in California right now for me. That's that's basically mm. it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I guess I'm staying put for the for the meantime, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that note, uh, thank you very much to our special guest, Daniel. Thank you for having me. 
And uh, thank you very much to our usual guest, Jose. So thank you very much for joining us again. Um, you can get in touch with uh, critiques, comments, questions at uh, permanentlyres at gmail.com. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. Yep. See you guys next time.